So literally the next day after we recorded the podcast about coronavirus and all this stuff, James Bond gets delayed to November. And exactly what I didn't want. And thanks to the UK fan sites, we won't get it. And I'm just so sad. And this was one of two movies that was very, very high on my list of seeing uh, for the first half of the year. And now I have to wait. And it stinks because it looks so good. It looks so good. And well, I what, think what the send off that sorry what what I think sucks about it all is that like they've spent so much time hyping the movie up and so much money into advertising and now all of a sudden it's just gonna stop for so many months and then they're gonna have to re get or uh, restart that all of that momentum to try and get the like get everybody back into the theaters in November it uh, it's gonna be such an uphill battle for them. It sucks. I, I think it's going to do worse because you have to think about their marketing budget that they spent up to this point, and yeah. then they have to restart that marketing. Like you, you're gonna start like seriously considering marketing a movie like what you think like six to four months out from when it's oh, release yeah. date, and that's like heavy marketing. So now they have to do that process again. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of money on this. Yeah, they are. I agree. I, I don't think it's a smart move business-wise. I think if you just release it, uh, it would be better because guess what? It's just like they told us after 9-11. You should go to the grocery store. You should go to the mall because if you don't, that's how the terrorists win. And that's what I'm saying about coronavirus. That's how coronavirus wins. It's telling us not to go to the movies coronavirus is the new 9-11 is what you're saying uh no whoa, whoa, whoa. i said it is like 9-11 i didn't say it was the new 9-11 if i have to wear a hazmat suit and all that stuff to go to work and do my thing fine whatever if it's to carry hand sanitizer everywhere fine whatever point of the matter of fact being it's it's what it's like to me a little ridiculous uh that they're gonna set that whole movie back and i don't think mulan is gonna do it and i doubt black widow will i think disney's full steam ahead baby yeah and what sucks too is that i was looking at looking to see what other movies released in april and november to see how it was going to do with its competition so in april the really really the only other like competitor i felt like was going to be new new mutants um, which, I mean, I don't think that's going to have an enormous opening, but it's going to have a lot of the same, like, or at least like similar types of fans of that specific, like, demographic. Um, but in November, Bond is going to have to open against The Eternals, which is going to be a, a heavy hitter for Marvel, Ooh. and Godzilla versus Kong, which it's already getting hyped up a lot. It's that closer to the to this whole monster verse kind of um i don't know like four movie saga is it is it the closer they're not talking about doing any more after this so i think it's at least gonna be like a good finale for like this series of films uh but regardless that's gonna have a lot of hype that's gonna have a huge draw and i think that comes out a week before bond is scheduled to come out now so Mm. bond now it has going against it the delay and having to re uh budget all of that marketing and and re-strategize all of that so that's going to hit the profits then it's going to have 
whatever is left over from this scare of the of coronavirus and people already not going out to public places as much uh probably around then or at least this being like towards the tail end of it all and it's going to have a lot stronger competition in theaters yeah with with oscar season well and by oscar season i mean the slated really good movies that come out that are all artsy films uh those will be also out and will cut from cut from james bond's profits that's true i didn't even thought about those yeah yeah man this it's it's a no-win scenario for them and i I, it sucks man like i wish i wish they would just just man up and release it now whatever happens happens and then they can make money back off the dvd sales when all the introverts go out to red box and just watch the movie at home and they'll still make money there yeah i mean or they could do they could do uh they could release it on youtube and uh do like a fee like I almost, I almost uh, rented something on YouTube today. You really want James, like the twenty fifth James Bond film, to get released on YouTube Red? No, not like whatever it's called. Well, now. you know how they have movies that you can rent or something. You just pay like on your Google Play. It's like, oh, here's seven ninety nine to go rent this movie or buy this movie or whatever it is. Yeah, but I, I think it's it's too much of a prestige film to ever like have a big release on a streaming platform like youtube what about irish the irishman huh i mean that's netflix that's a whole other beast ah okay so it's a little bit different even though it is streaming i see you my point is my point is it can be done because i almost rented today wild wild west to see if it does hold up (laughs) you need to man just once and for all just get it out of your system just get out of my system and see if it's just as good that that childhood that childhood nostalgia for Will Smith in a cowboy outfit, steampunk kind of thing with the incredibly uh, sensational Selma Hayek at her peak. So, yes, maybe I no. should rent it. And I'll- You need to, and I just cannot wait for the disappointment in your voice the next time we do this and for you to finally realize that it's, it's not as good as you remember it being. I will... I will never admit that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I will. I will never. I will never admit Wild West is a bad movie. Yeah, I, I will. I will stay in the corner. I will stay in the this corner. Is... I will review it and say like it's a bad movie. I still love it though. Okay, so this is the hill you're choosing to die on. The hill I'm choosing to die on is one where I die in in my room watching uh james bond on youtube red surrounded by cheetos and dying from the coronavirus that seems about right seems about right welcome to the summit of podcast This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I'm Joe, my good friend John, and I'm Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how you doing? Probably better than James Bond right now. Yeah, Daniel Craig Man. just did uh, SNL over the weekend, so. Yeah, that looked pretty good. He's going to have he's... to do it again. <laughs> he's going to have to do SNL again. Yeah, he's going to have to do SNL like, you know, two weeks before his movie comes out in uh, no- November or whatever. Jeez, I can't wait for that. Oh, yeah, and then it'll be election time, too. Like, oh, man. But we already talked about this in the cold open. Man, it's going to be a sad time when we get to November. Um, But speaking of November movies, 
Oh, well, you know, November of next year. But yeah, you're right. Uh, story number one. It's about Christian Bale, and he's confirmed to be the villain of Thor, Love and Thunder, by the lovely Tessa Thompson. Pretty interesting how this one played out, John. I mean, honestly, man, like, the people that he could have been were, like, mostly villains or people that would have been antagonists initially for the movie. So I don't think this is, like, an enormous reveal, but it's nice to have it finally be confirmed. Yeah, and these details are pretty early in the cycle when we get information on movies especially mcu movies where they try and keep it airtight and uh tessa thompson just dropped some great stuff on us which is fantastic i don't know if uh taika watiti ever intended on releasing you know who the big bad is uh until like maybe a few months beforehand but we're finding out you know almost a year and a half in advance which is I think crazy to me uh, to think about for an MCU MCU movie to know about this stuff. So um, definitely going to be exciting and the hype train is going to start rolling on and we'll see if it ever gets derailed or if it ever runs out of steam because that does sometimes happen when we get early, early details. The Tessa Thompson revealed at the premiere of Westworld Season 3 some details about what's coming up. Uh, In that, she talked about how she was excited about the script and she'd been texting Natalie Portman, which is super adorable, how awesome it's going to be. And this will be uh, Christian Bale's entrance into the MCU. He hasn't played any character or anything like that, but he has played a superhero before. John, do you remember who that superhero was? You know, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't, I can't think of it though. Who was it, Chris? Where is she? It would, uh, it would have to be, it's Christopher Nolan's Batman in the Dark Knight universe, which some would argue is the best uh, comic book type of film movie adaptation trilogy. And I would be in, I, I kind of fall into that camp. That is one of the best. And if not, it's in the top, it's in the top two of movie comic book adaptations. But uh, I think at the very least, it's the most consistent out of any. Yeah, and that's hard to find sometimes with these comic books, reboots and all that stuff. Like the Sam Raimi, if you rewatch it for the 2000s, great. Now, where the standard is, not as good. Yeah, very true. But Batman still holds up. Batman will always hold up. He will will always get up because, you know, he fallen down all the time as a kid. (laughs) <laughs> but uh the Taika Waititi's next the the next installment this the Thor f- film with Thor Love and Thunder it's slated for November 5th to 2021 we'll see if that changes but you know so we have a long time before this movie uh comes out for us to really digest and it comes out even after the Eternal so John what do you think about this I mean well, we we don't know what character or what villain that he is confirmed to play for the movie. We just know that he's playing a villain. So, I mean, my prediction still hasn't changed at all. I think he's either going to be Beta Ray Bill or Gore the God Butcher. Because um, Beta Ray Bill was introduced basically as a villain uh, to Thor that essentially nearly killed him. Um, and Odin deemed him worthy, gave him a hammer, Um then they became partners and everything happened from there. Gore the God Butcher, I think, is a really interesting character uh, that's pretty new to the, to comic books um, that really ties in with 
Jane Foster's Thor is a pretty central villain for her. Um, it, I think I think Christian Bale is going to be the type of person to handle more of a meaty character, and hopefully somebody that sticks around it isn't just a one-off villain. Because um, I mean, honestly, like they've they've really upped their game in who uh, who they're casting for these types of characters and who they're bringing into the MCU. If you just look at like the entire slate for the Eternals and just the the caliber of actors they have basically filling up every role in that movie um i think i think they've got some really interesting stories to bring all of these high level actors in cuz they wouldn't just come in for like an iron man 3 one off kind of character uh like that mandarin was yeah but i mean it's it's really interesting to see who's playing this type of role and I, it makes me really excited to see what other types of news we're going to get out of this movie. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, the caliber of people they're getting to play these roles is increasing, which is great because then we could see the kind of range. Um, you know, writing only goes so far. And mm-hmm. I, I think Robert Downey Jr. stood out in the MCU as far as actors and really adhering to the role. I think... Uh, Chris Evans did a good job. I don't think he was uh, amazing as Captain America. I think Winter Winter Soldier and the first Avenger, for as much as people give the first Avenger a lot of um, issues, I think that as far as a character and how he acted and stuff, how he he related to that character, I thought they did a fantastic job. So... um, where writing really propelled the Avengers, I think the next step is to get actors who can elevate it to the Martin Scorsese level because Martin Scorsese still doesn't consider these movies films. <laughs> yeah, and especially for this, for for all of Phase 4, basically, I feel like, or I hope at least, that it's more of like an introspective look and character studies for people that they already have and the ones that they're introducing and that if they just continue to kind of like rehash the same beats that they did in the first three phases, it's going to get boring really quick. But now is the opportunity to really just marinate in the good characters and and concepts that they have available to them through the comics, um, which like eventually will lead into phase five in the future villains and kind of like the overarching stories. But I think now is really the time to just kind of like let it sit tell some really good stories and let faith let phase five and six kind of propel to the next villain the like the bigger x-men fantastic four characters i just want some really good stories right now yeah that uh, i would say i'm more excited for phase five than i am for phase four just at this moment yeah and that's because of the potential i feel like that they have with more characters they're planning to introduce then um whereas now it's it's really the only big ones that they're introducing are the Eternals and Shang-Chi, um, which again, I, I think they have potential to be a really, really great characters in the MCU, but especially with this being Thor's fourth movie and the, f- the first fourth entry in any kind of franchise so far with the MCU. Um, I hope that it's, that they're going to take the opportunity to mix up the formula a little bit. Natalie Portman. Maybe, yeah. I mean, she's a great actress. Christian Bale's a great actor. Chris Hemsworth is a great actor. Um, I think Tessa Thompson, she's going to be in it. So she's a, and she's a great actress. I it's got the potential to be, I think, one of the better MCU films if they do it right. And with Taika Waititi at the helm, 
I don't think they're. I don't think they can lose with this. I, I think this movie is going to be a passing of the torch kind of story, but that's just my opinion. Um, but you know who they're not going to pass it to? Who's that? Beta Ray Bill. You want to know why? Why? Because he's a filthy beta. Oh. Oh no, he's going to go on dates with his girl pals and do their nails and stuff like that. The things that I see on Twitter with this stuff is pretty funny to me. Like if you if if you're if you're a girl or a woman, what you know, whatever stage, you know, you're at and you have a a guy or a, a friend who's a who's a boy or whatever, um it's one of those things just like you know if you take him to do something do things for you yeah do whatever you want it's your life and all that stuff but i find it remarkable <laughs> the the internet slander and jokes they have at this stuff for like f's and chat for my boy timmy who went to with this girl and she's like you're the best friend a girl can have i find that stuff actually quite hilarious <laughs> twitter Twitter is ridiculous nowadays, man. It's the Twitter and Reddit. It's pretty funny how it's like anything about beta culture is like so wretched and awful and you're going to get made fun of, which, you know, you do what you want, you know. But uh, I thought I'd, I was like looking at that. I was like, Beta Ray Bill. I was just like, maybe 40, 30 years ago, they're like, that's a really cool name. Today it's just like, ooh. Well, why don't you tell a giant horse faced hammer wielding creature that he's a beta and see how that goes i mean i I, didn't think so i you you know you put me in a rough spot you know i i think i'm gonna have to i think i'm gonna have to be the beta in this situation say no yeah that's fair yeah anyways (laughs) what's next on the docket oh god speaking of probably betas uh scott (laughs) derrickson (laughs) It makes no sense. It makes it no sense. He's not. <laughs> nothing indicates he's a beta, except that he got fired from Star Wars. That makes him a beta. It does. So, so Scott Derrickson has pitched, I think, through a tweet that he's since deleted, um, what he would like to direct in the Star Wars universe, and it sounds really interesting, and it got me thinking about a lot of things. So, first of all, I just want to say. This isn't happening. It's not a real movie. It's not a real pitch. It's just him answering a fan of what type of movie he would like to direct. Um, so there's no... It's all fiction, basically. Yeah. Um, but he wants to tell a story that wouldn't relate to any existing characters or storylines, which I think is Smart. going to be the new... Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the new direction that they go in of separating themselves from the Skywalker saga. Um, but he wants to direct Hoth which is an R-rated frozen planet horror film, kind of in the vein of the thing, um, which that tagline alone sounds super interesting to me because when you think about episode five, it was five, right? Five? Yes, it is episode up? five. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, sorry, my lack of nerd just showed for a second. Um, when you think about everything that happened on Hoth, it has the potential to be horrifying the kind of creatures that they run into the environment basically being another antagonist um i think it's super interesting to to think about that and i think now that we're kind of out of the main anchor of star wars with the skywalker trilogies and sagas um i was just thinking about new genres uh, like pitching new genre ideas that we could have inside the star wars universe as a whole kind of in the vein of like what he pitched with Hoth and 
having an R-rated horror film, but set in Star Wars. Um, so first of all, I think horror in Star Wars in general is a great idea. And we've, we've talked about this before with um, kind of doing our reviews with The Mandalorian. There were some horror and suspense moments that were in uh, one episode in particular that I was an enormous fan of. And I wish that they would take more risks and do this with more Star Wars property um, because the types of characters and environments that they have just set themselves up to be suspenseful because you don't know what's out there. There's so many different types of creatures. It's, I don't know, it's incredible, man. Um, so my thought for a movie pitch set within Star Wars would be, have you ever seen the movie Upgrade? Came out a couple of years ago um to a degree i have i it's that that's the movie where the guy has the chip implanted in him and he just does all these wacky crazy scenes it's really a great action pack is what i heard yeah so basically it's what venom should have been where you're right like there's a guy who uh gets into a car wreck and loses his wife uh and in order to survive this company puts a chip in his in his spine and it, it's basically like a voice inside of his head. It's this AI that uh, helps him survive. And eventually, like, he gives control over to the AI when needed so that the AI can protect him. And it takes over his body and attacks and does all these things. And it's fully aware of everything that's going on around him. It's super interesting. And it's a low-budget, um, I'd say, action-slash-sort of horror film. Not mm-hmm. really, but... Um, I thought it was incredibly well done, and I would love to see a movie like that where, hear me out, so we have a Force-sensitive being who's enhanced by an AI like that, um, where basically following along with the beginning of this, he suffers a loss, it's it's a near-death experience, and he doesn't know that he's Force-sensitive, but this shady organization finds him and um, realizes what he is and what his potential is, so they choose to inject him with this AI that they hope will can be able to control him to where they can kind of use him for their own benefit. Um, But over time, the AI sees what the force is as this neutral entity. uh, And it's like itself, it doesn't really want to serve any specific master. So the AI kind of joins forces with this guy where uh, it kind of allows or the the characters allows this ai to take control over him and the ai starts to understand what the force can do so you start to see when this guy gives over control to the ai um the full capabilities of the force this ai that has basically full control over this guy and full awareness of what's going on around him full situational awareness and to be able to see action scenes like that injected with the force I think would be incredible to see. Yeah, I think it leaves. I think it leaves a lot to desire in that. As far as we haven't really seen a real big technology focus in the Star Wars universe, as far as like that is the that is the villain. That's the conflict. You know, it's it never harkens back to that. Um, but I have one for you, and I'm gonna choose. I'll save my my best one for last. So I I hope that you do. Yes. So uh, I had an idea for kind of like a hunt for Red October movie uh, with an escaped fleet from the Sith Empire. And this will take thousands of years before the Battle of Yavin. And it'll be a Republic based fleet 
jumping from planet to planet, trying to find this uh, this capital ship that contains a holocron with key location of a kyber crystal planet. And uh, it could be used for the mass excavation of a new weapons on a scale that wipe out the galaxy in the right hands. And basically it's going to be the planet crate, which... Um, isn't really used a lot in Star Wars lore to the best of my knowledge except that we do see it in episode 8 it was an old mining base of the rebels but the rebels aren't really at that time in the Star Wars saga the rebels aren't really a huge uh, faction to harvest kyber crystals and make weapons out of it you know it's kind of like a ragtag small arms uh, start small arms kind of organization so I think that it's perfect to kind of place it into the old the old um, the old idea of the Republic and do that type of fantasy where it's like yeah you know this is how cool it could be you know with uh, with just the idea of uh, Red October but in space kind of fascinates me to be like a slow chase film with uh, a lot of dramatic pieces and especially putting it on a holocron and finding out that it is kind of insignificant for the Skywalker saga, but has bigger implications so that you do have that connectivity of the universe, but you don't have the connectivity of characters, which I think yeah. expands the lore, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd agree that. I mean, that sounds really interesting just to, yeah, like you said, like that slow chase, the, the hunt, uh, yeah, I could I could totally see that being a movie. Yeah, and then I've got one more for you, John. Please. All right, here it is. I want a gritty pod racing movie. Now, before before you completely jump off ship, you know, I, a lot of people didn't like pod racing episode one. I personally enjoy the pod racing, but I see I see what everyone wants. It's like it's playful, it's kitty, it's not that great. But we're gonna turn it around. We're gonna make it a pod racing movie involving the criminal underworld. Starring everyone's favorite Disney character or Disney person who plays characters, Chris Pratt. He plays a Republic mechanic who owes some debts and needs to repay them in servitude to the huts. He joins a pit crew, hoping to work without any hiccups, trying to stay under the radar, you know, just do his time, pay his debts, maybe, maybe, you know, not get into too much trouble or he'll probably get killed. However, the ragtag team he joins in an underworld gang is an underworld gang hoping to make it big at racing, but they try and steal from the huts at the same time. They try and steal for the hut fortune during the big race that they got planned out. And who's that racing team's captain? None other than Vin Diesel. Yes! Oh, oh God. You've heard it here. I want a fast and furious Star Wars Italian job crossover, and I think it's one we desperately need. Chris, I think I think we got to tone it down on these crossovers, man. Listen, even 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 if you think that the Vin Diesel thing is a little nuts, take Vin Diesel out of the uh, equation and just make it what the first parts I told you. Doesn't that sound like an exciting heist movie that should have happened with Solo, but we didn't get? Yeah, it, it sounds like what Solo should have been. I, I totally agree, and I honestly, man, like I think pod racing was probably the one of the best parts of Episode One, and I wish that we could have seen more of it because you're right, like it has the potential to be so much more and and like less childlike than I think what George Lucas wanted it to be. But well, we've talked about that where that's yeah. that's his whole idea of what Star Wars is is that it's movies for kids. But yeah, grit it up, man. Let's let's see some adult pod racing. 
it's one it's one of those things where if you think about think about the sound the sound design the sound editing in the pod racing where the pods themselves had great sound design but the when trinkets started falling apart they're making like this these weird weird noises that like you see in like cartoons with like like a like a like a what is it a sliding whistle and sometimes is used like in the yeah. in the sound design i'm just like for uh, someone crashing no i want to hear a big crash i want to see flames and all this crazy stuff happening that's nitty and gritty and i think the scene the pod racing scene in episode one really is is the is the creation of really good sound design and direction by george lucas is like this is my vision this is what i want anyone could probably take the assets they had and probably turn it into something a little bit more daring and a little bit scarier for the safety of everyone involved yeah no i mean like i i could see like a ron howard directed pod racing movie i think if if he had the ability to start from the beginning of production um i think he would do a great job him or uh Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot his name. We just talked about it. The uh, guy who's who directed Ford v Ferrari. Oh, James um, Mangold. Yeah, either one of them I think would do a great job with that. Yeah, so that's really that's my pitch. If we, if we were to pitch, I think it would be a a um a different take uh, with Star Wars. I do like the horror idea that you mentioned. I do like how Scott Derrickson Derrickson. There I, it is. I always screw it up. Dang. I, I want you to know that I only picked this story because of his name, and I wanted to see if you had gotten over it finally. You know, you, you know me too well. I did not. But Scott Derrickson <sighs> referencing the thing had me interested because even though I don't like horror films, I do remember this one time uh, I did watch this thing, and I watched it with our friend Logan, and. I really enjoyed it because for a movie that was made, what is it, the late seventies or early eighties? Yeah, the visuals and the just uh, all the visual effects that went into making this, it was haunting. The lighting, everything about it, just was like thrilling, scary. But I was intrigued because I wanted more. Like there, the animation for like the dog transferring into the thing is so grotesque it's laughable to me which is why i was able to like endure it i was just like oh this is clearly ridiculous because the like but i can't imagine today i probably wouldn't see it today if they made a they did make a remake but i mean true to what the vision wanted to be with the original i don't think i'd want to see it i think i'd be scared out of my mind uh with how visual effects are but i i i really like that idea like that is a very that is a cult classic in the horror genre to of creature of creature horror mm-hmm. to bring into Star Wars, which is endless possibilities with creatures. Yeah, and honestly, man, like I think we're kind of getting into a renaissance of horror films. I think in the like you said, like in the seventies and eighties, we had those slasher. There was a different style of horror back then. It was, um, yeah. But I think especially with Jordan Peele kind of introducing this societal horror, um, he kind of, I, I feel like in a way, started or was one of the first people to start this new renaissance into horror. And I, I think that so many franchises just kind of lend themselves to this type of genre. 
and people don't want to take a risk on it because they feel like the audience for it is too small but i think when it's done in the right way it just adds to the whole like ambiance of the entire film yeah and when it's not overdone in like a slasher like grotesque kind of way it it's it's a new flavor to kind of add to your recipe and uh I think it has the potential to, to really enhance a lot of different uh, just types of movies and franchises as a whole. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And even so, like horror, like you said, it's coming out with the Renaissance. And if you think about some movies that recently come out with like Get Out, uh, This Is Us, Hereditary. Uh, what is mm-hmm. that other movie? Midsummer. Yeah, like, there's you're right. You're right horrors going back to a renaissance but it's not like the slasher type of renaissance where you're like on the edge of your seat seeing if the slasher is going to kill someone you're on the edge of your seat with being uncomfortable like cringeworthy things now so yeah it, it feels like it's one of the few genres that's not jumping on the nostalgia bandwagon it's it's just raising the quality of whatever it can do because of the technology we have available now and the types of creators that are joining that type of genre. Um, it, I mean, like you and I both don't really watch a lot of horror stuff, but it's, it's exciting to me to see the new potential budding out of this type of, uh, like creative movement. Basically, I think I see in horror and I hope that more franchises like star Wars, like Marvel, like DC kind of, dip their toes more into horror and really kind of see what the potential is like. I see I see the DC doing that more than I do the other properties, but we'll have to wait and see how that works out. So, John, what are you watching? So, I'm trying to, like, so I've always been really into stand-up, and I Netflix obviously has a, a wide library of comedians and of uh, original stand-ups they've produced, um, so there was, there's one comedian that I saw, I believe there was some other kind of like TV show that she started on. Um, but every time she does stand up, I think she's hilarious. Um, I, I found her new stand up uh, a couple days ago and, and got into it and finished it. Uh, but Taylor Tomlinson has just a very unique sense of humor. It's super relatable, not like over the top, like, I don't know, like grotesque or like too crash crass or anything. Uh, but she's super funny. I think pretty intelligent and like handles comedy in a very good way. Um, I, I just, I don't know, man, like I laughed the whole time. I thought it was a really great, uh, standup special. So whenever she puts out stuff, I'm always looking forward to it. Uh, she, I think she did a great job. Um, so I'm, there's a couple other, uh, comedies that I'm looking forward to on Netflix. I'm going to have to check out and finish and, um, yeah, man, we'll see. I'm kind of, uh, trying to get back into a little bit more of the stand-up stuff right now after watching a lot more like regular TV and show and movies and everything. So I'm ready. I'm ready to laugh again. But Chris, what are you watching? Uh, I, over the weekend, I watched Black Panther on Disney Plus because it finally made its way over um, to the classic. Library. Yes, and I was like, man, I want to see if this good was as good as I remember, and it was. It was great. Um, I think the pacing in the beginning is pretty bad um i want to say just for my critique like you get introduced to wakanda uh i think it's a little confusing also the beginning scene when you see like the 
you know, his brother gets taken back to Wakanda. You don't really see the trial or anything like that. Just the scene where the kids left alone. It's just the pacing was a little weird at the beginning. But overall, like everything I remember from that movie was fantastic. So I, I really I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I really enjoyed watching it again. It does hold up. And I I still think it's one of the better Disney uh, or it's one of the better MCU movies. Uh, almost. um I would say it's better than the first event or I would say it's better than Avengers one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's better than age of Ultron. It's really up there with Thor, uh, Thor, um, Ragnarok. Yeah. Is what I mean? Thor Ragnarok, uh, and, and just, you know, Avengers end game Avengers infinity war. I think it is, it is up there in that top five slot. Maybe it's top four. Yeah, I I think it's one of those movies that it really shows what it what you can do when you allow a good creator to just create something unique and it had such a distinct voice, I think especially amongst the other MCU films. Um but I think uh they did su- man, they did such a good job with like just the set design, the music, the characters, just everything was just so specific and unique to that culture and it was just so enjoyable to watch man like i'm i'm glad it's on disney plus and we can binge it whenever and it's oh man i such a good movie i love it it is good it is very good disney plus you know and where uh they're gonna add uh mulan probably by the time uh daniel craig is in james bond in the big screen Ah, oh, jeez, man! Like, <laughs> which the early yeah. reviews are coming out for Mulan, and they're they're they are good. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting, man! Like, I I really hope that like this trend continues where they, if they remake films like it, just just tell a good story, just make it good. Don't rehash everything. Don't do a Lion King. Just make it great. Don't don't do. Yeah, I think I like I said. I think this one is. I think this one is styled the best. Of yeah. all the live, I think this one is style like it's like oh, Mulan like as uh the drawings was like oh this this feels like China, you know when you watch Aladdin do you really feel like you're in the Middle East no you're in Agrabah which is this cartoonish idea of what Disney thinks the Middle East is like, so, I mean uh, I hope that's not what they think the Middle East is like but oh, what cartoonish no no no. <laughs> no 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 but uh it, it definitely felt. And it's kind of like when I watched the Jungle Book, and I was like, oh, this feels like someplace in India. This is really, really cool. The way the forests are put together, the rain, the the wolves, just the way the the jungle interacted with each other. That was really neat for me. I was like, this is really great. Um, but it was, it was different enough because that movie is so old, the original. Yes, absolutely. The Jungle Book is so old, and the... the, the what is it the animation for it um doesn't age well but yeah with the update with the update it's it's quite it's a uh, visually stunning to i think when you do lion king to lion king and uh with the real animals the cgi it doesn't translate as well yeah yeah and that's a whole other rant for another time but yeah yeah. The live action animals just you can't be as animated and as expressive as the original was. So then when you're putting them in the same situations and it's the same dialogue and songs, but they're 
they're very stone-faced and animal animal-like it's just jarring <laughs> yeah it is a little jarring <laughs> Ugh, disney no oh, disney i can't wait to see mulan <laughs> all of my blue balls for no time to die is now for mulan well <laughs> i i don't mean that literally i just <laughs> For the record, it is not literal. Phrasing. I'm just excited. I'm just excited for Milan. There we go. Yeah, let's leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it right there. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.